Welcome to a ride on the outside. MMA is full of people on the inside, but what about the ones that watch from beyond? Welcome to the MMA Outsiders with Tom Albano and Zan Bando on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. Ah, uh, yes, the MMA Outsiders is finally back. Tom Albano here along with Zan Bando. Zan, it's good to see you. We've been thinking about you. And it's good that you're back this week because there's just so much in combat to talk about. Boxing, uh, MMA on the PFL side and on the Bellator side, and uh, maybe a little UFC here and there. But how you doing? Um, I'm, I'm doing very well. And again, thank you very much for the well wishes and uh, the kind words uh, over the last weekend or shorts. They were very um, it's appreciated and just the support across the network has been uh, has been great. I'm glad to be I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to be in a good spot and uh, I mean, and and truly the support was just extremely amazing. And thank you, thank you again for being so caring during such a difficult time. And thank you to the viewers and the right. listeners of this show that rely on me every single week. Thank you for your um, for your understanding and circumstance. But it's great. It's uh, great to be back. Absolutely. Before we get into anything, make sure you hit that like button, subscribe, hit the notification bell so you get notified of everything here at the Empty the Bench Network, including every episode of the MMA Outsiders. Um, and once again, I am Tom Albano. You can find my work over at the Insided MMA as well with the, as well as with the PFL. Obviously, we got the big championship cards coming up. Uh, the global card is in uh, November. The Europe card in December, and you can follow me on social media. At Thomas J. Albano. To my right, as always, is Zan Bandel, a staff writer for BJPen.com, a Bellator Rankings Committee member. And you can find his work on social media over at ZanBando99. And you can make sure to follow the Empty the Bench Network at ETB Network, Facebook, X, Instagram, and TikTok. And you can follow us on social media, Facebook, X, and Instagram at MMA Outsiders ETB. Of course, don't forget to take uh, the MMA Outsiders and the rest of the Empty the Bench Network on the road with you. Uh, on our on Acast and our audio only uh, platforms, and if you are listening on those audio only platforms, make sure to come to YouTube, YouTube.com/slash/etbnetwork. Hit that subscribe button and watch us on our home video feed. Past 560 subscribers, so keep on the climb. All right, Zan, a lot we got to get through with this episode. Obviously, we had a big Canelo fight this past weekend, which ended up being very one sided. We have Bellator 300 coming up. Uh, one of the biggest cards in Bellator history, if not the biggest card in Bellator history. But all that has been trumped. And I say that with a very big grain of salt. And the reason is I want to lead off with reports that came out from some very credible sources, I should say, by the way. The most of the uh, boxing uh, reporter uh, front, you know, our big guys like Coppinger and all of them, that... Tyson Fury versus Alexander Usyk, the undisputed heavyweight title fight, the one that we have been longing for, the one that Zan I once said that it feels like an undisputed heavyweight title fight would never happen again. And according to multiple sources, multiple verified sources, this fight is signed and it will take place in Saudi Arabia, either on December 23rd or at some point in January. Zan, I don't know about you, 
But you know my feelings about these boxing fights, especially when it comes to the heavyweight uh, champions, heavyweight champions, and particularly the undisputed title fight between Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk. Because we say time and time again that boxing manages to get in its own way, and I can kind of say that with here, considering that you know Tyson Fury is just a few weeks away from going into that fight with Francis Ngannou, and. It's weird that this is coming out now and the fact that it might only be a couple of months uh, after that Ngannou fight that he faces Usyk for the Undisputed Heavyweight Championship. And yet, there's this weird feeling in me, Sam, that wants it to happen because it's an Undisputed Heavyweight title fight, something that we have not seen basically for most of this millennium. You know, like the last time was when Lennox Lewis ended up defeating Evander Holyfield for the championships in, like, the last big fight of uh, 1999. And yet, and I, and that's when I mean an undisputed champion was crowned, where we had one champion versus another. Uh, and yet, you know, it's signed. The Saudis say it's going to happen. The big reporters are saying it's going to happen. So I don't know, Zan. Should I be taking this with a grain of salt, or should I be hopeful I can't believe I'm saying that about boxing, but hopeful. Well, um, I mean, it's it's great that you mentioned it, and it's great that we're leading off with this because the magnitude of this fight to me would be an understatement to say it is it is massive. It is it is beyond massive. I mean, these are the two biggest, baddest heavyweights on the planet that have been that have been chomping at the bit for over a year and a half to get in the ring and punch each other. And now we're less than three months away from potentially seeing the biggest heavyweight boxing championship fight of our lifetime, presumably. I know you're a little bit older than me, but it just feels like the countdown is on and you can like, you can cut the tension with a knife because if this buildup is what I think it's going to be, it's going to be a fight that we're never going to forget. And for the Saudis to get this fight done when they're getting it done, to say that they were going to go all in on the sport of boxing and they're living up to their promise, you have to give them a lot of credit. And to get Tyson Fury back in the ring less than three months after fighting Francis Ngannou in a fight that he doesn't have to necessarily compete in, but he is anyway, he's doing it for the prestige and and he's doing it because he wants to do it. This is a very, very, very interesting development in a fight that I think a lot of people are excited about in a fight that I think a lot of the older boxing fans, the ones that haven't really been in touch with the sport for years, I think you're going to see a lot of the people, you know, will come back and follow Tyson in the 90s. And, you know, well, that's the likes of Evander Holyfield, George Foreman, Michael Moore, some of the some of the that you, that you would see, you know, week to week, month to month on HBO Boxing, I think you're going to see a lot of those same people come back because the fight just has that much mass appeal. And no, neither of these guys are American figures or anything like that. But Tyson Fury knows how to talk a big game. And really all you need is Tyson Fury to sell this fight. And I think people will, will be very interested. And I think, you know, it's just going to be one of those where, the, the, the anticipation is going to build. Once this date is official, whether it's December 23rd, sometime in January, sometime in 2024, I think people are going to be interested 
People are going to be invested. People are going to want to buy the pay-per-view. And you, you have to give credit to all parties involved because, as you said a couple months ago, you, you, you were kind of speculating that, okay, maybe an undisputed heavyweight title fight would never happen again in Derby Yard. And I, I think as, you know, as, as, as boxing purists and people that have started to get back into the sport over the last year and a half, with the, with the rise and emergence of all these new stars and contenders, there really is truly not a better time to be a boxing fan right now. And it just adds to the prestige and the excitement that, you know, people who are maybe just getting into boxing or people that, you know, started to watch boxing in the, in the last year, this is a fight that if I were a newer fan, I would be absolutely ecstatic about. Oh, absolutely ecstatic about. And I got to give credit to boxing in that, uh, we actually have seen over the past year or so, a couple, at least at the lighter weight classes, we have seen more of the undisputed champions. But obviously, and I, I mean, one perfect example is Canelo Alvarez, who we'll talk about towards the end of the show with his fight with uh, Jamel Charlo. The other one being Terrence Crawford, who had that fight with Earl Spence Jr. and just absolutely blew everybody away with how easily he handled Spence. Uh, but... Obviously, the big money has always been with, I, I can't, I shouldn't say always, and it's not exclusive, but the heavyweights always were the big money. They always were during that time of the 1990s, where, as you mentioned, uh, all those previous names uh, would come out every few months or so for big pay-per-view fights. And Tyson Fury is a big pay-per-view draw. Alexander Usyk, I mean, he's still, you know, getting there, but... I mean, he beat Anthony Joshua, beat him twice for the uh, heavyweight championships. So I would call him a draw. And Tyson Fury, he is a draw. And that is why we've got this Tyson Fury versus Francis Ngannou fight. Because you know what else he's fighting for, Zan? All the money. Big payday. Because now reports are coming out that Tyson Fury is expected to make over $100 million just for we're stepping in the ring with Francis Ngannou. If you were to tell me that five years ago, I would have laughed you out of the room. I, I would have, I'm like, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. How, how, my first question five years ago would have been, how, how does Tyson Fury become heavyweight champion, number one? And number two, why, uh, my second question would have been, why is Francis Ngannou no longer in the UFC and here we, and here we are? Yeah, no, absolutely here we are. And Zam, let's be real. If this undisputed heavyweight title fight goes through like it should. That's another big payday for Tyson Fury. He is could be in line for some for two big paydays within the span of three or four months. One of them being the Francis Ngannou fight, which is just a crossover, I guess, exhibition of sorts. And then the other, one of the biggest uh, championship fights in boxing history. So, I mean, hey. you got to give credit to Tyson I mean, I mean, I mean, hey, even if Tyson Fury gets viciously knocked up by Usyk, there's a major money-making rematch waiting for him probably a couple months later. So, so if you're if you're Tyson Fury, the, these next four months are a win-win situation, no matter how you face it. And you can't say that about other fighters, but given Tyson Fury's stature and what he's been able to do for the sport, I, I, I think I think he's in for a very very nice next several months. From a financial perspective, I wanted to ask you this question. You were talking about Alexander Usyk as being a draw amongst the hardcore boxing purists in the hardcore boxing community. For American mm-hmm. fans that don't know who Usyk is, uh, if if you were if you were a 
promoter, or if you were a pay-per-view provider, what is your what is your pitch point to the average American consumer that maybe watches boxing every so often, maybe every couple of years, maybe when maybe when the fight's being talked about by the mainstream media? What what would be your your biggest selling point about Usyk for someone who has no idea who he is? I would say, I mean, Zan, just for the simple fact and. This to add to the high stakes of this fight just popped into my head. Undefeated versus undefeated. And Alexander Yusik, in a way to answer your question, he cleared the division out, not at heavyweight, at cruiserweight, then goes up to heavyweight and challenges Anthony Joshua, who at one point was considered one of, if not the best professional boxer in the world, at least at heavyweight, and in the conversation amongst some of the others, granted, he had that slip up against Sandy Ruiz Jr. in 2019 at the Garden. And he thoroughly beats him. Not once, but twice. Wins the belts back and then... What happened? Oh, I was just, I was just pointing two for twice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Twice. So I think that should be a selling point within itself. And then Tyson Fury, I mean, all you got to do is for Tyson Fury, just talk about how... He beat Vladimir Klitschko for the heavyweight championships and one of the biggest upsets in boxing history. And that, was, that time, and that was when Vladimir Klitschko was at the height, height, height of his powers. But it, that was if you want to, if you want to talk about upsets back then, that was as wild and as unexpected as you could possibly get. Mm-hmm. And then takes a few, takes a couple of years off, has to deal with personal issues, and then. Has the draw against uh, Deontay Wilder, which if it wasn't for that second knockdown, he probably would have won that fight. Uh-huh. And then and, and then just thoroughly bashes Wilder twice more, keeps retaining his title in, with spectacular finishes. So I feel like you got to sell the point. Like they're both undefeated fighters. How in Usyk's case, he cleared out one division, went up to another, and then thoroughly handled Uh, a guy who had three of the four alphabet heavyweight championships. And then with Fury, I know you were specific about Yusuf, but with Fury, talking about how he's the drawing power, you know, himself, his history with Klitschko and Wilder, and then just the the fact that he is taking this fight a few months after facing Francis Ngannou in a boxing MMA crossover boxing match. I I think this fight has a lot to sell you on. Yeah, and uh, th- this may be a bold statement, and there may be old timers that will want to tear me apart and uh, attempt to rip my head off virtually, of course. But uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say this is the biggest heavyweight title fight since Mike Tyson versus Vander Holyfield. Ooh, I don't know about that one. I think that's showing a little disrespect to Mike Tyson versus Lennox Lewis in 2002. Well, would you agree or disagree that Mike Tyson was starting to become a little bit past his prime? Starting, yes, but I think, and I forget that there was a YouTuber who I watched who did like a really good, like hour long video detailing the heavyweight division in the 90s. And he said that that Tyson Lewis fight in 2002 was kind of the end of an era kind of fight. And I think that's why it's so significant in my mind, because it really was the end of an era. Oh, you're thinking of Joseph Vincent. Was it Joseph Vincent? I don't know. 
I don't know if that was his real name. I forget what the YouTube name of that thing was. I know what I know. I know what you're talking about, though. Oh, uh, Rummy's Corner. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. That is that was that was years ago that he made that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's wild to think about. Um, anywho, and and then I was just gonna say this. My early prediction on this fight is that I don't think it goes the distance, and I think it ends with one of these guys. Um, falling either face first or flat on their back on the canvas. And at, at the moment, I'm going to pick Tyson Fury in eight, but I would not be surprised if it goes either way. And I just know no matter who wins this fight, there's going to be some sort of bad blood trash talk um, stuff said afterward that is going to be very, uh, very grim. I would think it's, it's going to, it's going to be very dark when, when, when that, when that fight is over. I think there's pure hatred between these two and, I, I don't think they're going to be reconciling at least for the next little bit, in my, in my, in my opinion. I'm going to say Fury gets it done. I don't know if I want to say eight. I'd say eight would be the minimum, if not, you know, later on in the fight, uh, in the last third of the fight. But I will say that I can kind of see your point. I don't think – I know you mentioned that if Usyk wins, it sets up a big rematch. I think even if Fury wins, I think they're going to have some form of rematch. I don't see this being a one-fight deal. I see at least uh, each fighter having some sort of rematch clause. Okay, and then just briefly talking uh, broadcast rights for a second. Do you think this is one of those where it's a DAZN uh, ESPN partnership, or how do you uh, how do you think this fight's going to be distributed all over the world? If you had to, if you had to guess, Zan, if you're even thinking of DAZN having exclusive rights for this fight, it's it's a joke. No way would DeZone get exclusive rights for this. I mean, we'll we'll rip on them again later with Canelo, but I mean, for all the contra- for all the stupid stuff that's happened with DeZone, combined with their nineteen ninety five a month price tag, there's no way they can have exclusive rights. I can't see ESPN Plus having exclusive rights, but I think, considering the circumstances of this fight. I think this has to be one of those ESPN to zone partnerships that it gets broadcasted all over the world. Do you think there's any sort of way, any way possible considering that the college football bowl season will have not taken full effect with its new year six games or anything like that is, or is there any sort of chance when your ESPN joins in and at least airs the undercard? What do you, what do you think? I'm fairly certain ESPN, uh, linear ESPN, if not ESPN two, will probably air the undercard prelims, whatever you want to call it. I just, I don't know. I mean, on one end, and you know my day job that December twenty third, you know, would be the start of a nice little break. So being able to enjoy the fight Christmas weekend would be nice. On the flip side, I don't necessarily want to work Christmas weekend. Um, so I would rather, if I'm going all out for this, that the fight happens in January. But, you know. Yeah, I mean, if the fight happens in January, at least we could do a full-on uh, we could do a full-on preview show and a full-on post-fight show without any distractions. So Absolutely. Yeah. So, and, and again, like we said, uh, like we talked about before we went on the air, I really hope that maybe that second weekend in January where there's no UFC or if there's anything, it's like one of those ESPN plus cards that just starts off the year that Fury Usyk is the big focus. 
so yeah, really, that you know. Yeah, Fury Usyk is the big focus right after the NFL playoff games are over, which would make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. And and uh, and if it's after December, there wouldn't necessarily be the college football bowl games to worry about. So January might be the smarter option. I would I would think so too. If you were if you were to guess a price point on this fight, are we looking at eighty five dollars or are we looking at a hundred bucks? No, I, I'm coming. Then it's probably going to be a hundred bucks. Yeah, I I, I think that this fight is big enough to uh, to, to go. Oh, with that price tag, could you see a world tour coming out of this fight potentially in New York and a couple of other international territories? What do you What do you think? Uh, I could see some sort of world tour. I could see some sort. Of, but I mean, the question, Zan, is once again they're putting this fight not long after the uh, Francis Ngannou showing. So I, I I don't know how much time they're really going to have to build for this because Fury's got to build the rest of this month for the Ngannou showdown. It's a very good point. They're going to have a lot to think about in terms of uh, preparation. But if you want a boxing Super Bowl, folks, uh, I think we, I think we, we have. And just to reiterate, Fury versus Usyk, uh, signed and delivered almost to either be December twenty third or at some point in January in Saudi Arabia. We will have you covered as that fight gets closer. There, there is more fighting, but this time we are moving back to the United States. And hold on, hold on, Zan. I need to throw one last question out there. Okay. And it's one that I will get left out of the building for, but because Ariel Helwani brought it up on his uh, X account, and because, well, he's my PFL brethren, I have to put it out there. Okay. What if Francis Ngannou beats Tyson Fury this month? Uh, there's gonna what be happens of, to this fight then? There's going to be, let me just say this, there's going to be a lot of panicking in Saudi Arabia, the top rank offices, and every single person involved in the boxing department in Bristol, Connecticut at a very popular four-letter sports network in the United States that are, that's going to be panicking like crazy if that ends up being the case. Yeah, that, I mean, I understand that, you know, it's boxing and it's exhibition, so really Fury's got the advantage at hand. But you know what? We've seen some crazy, you know, what happened these last couple of years in the in uh, in combat sports. So let's not rule anything out. <laughs> and, hey, with Mike Tyson training Francis Ngannou, anything, anything's possible. So as Kevin Garnett once said, anything is possible. Damn right. He did say that. That's true. All right, let's go back, as you said, to the United States. Let's talk about Francis's home, uh, MMA home in the PFL, and let's talk about Bellator. Yes, Bellator has a very big card this weekend, but... And yes, I did say the last time we were together that at this point we should just shut up, and when the PFL and Bellator announced the purchase, it happens here. But I will give credit to Al Zolino. He did make a report. Because last time we were here, Sam, you and I were discussing, you know, Zelino saying the deal is done. Atkins, Todd Atkins was saying the deal fell through and Bellator is going to fold. And the answer, Zan, the answer is yes. Yes. They are both correct in the new Zelino report. In that basically what's going to happen is, let's call it akin to what happened with the UFC in the, 
in the strike force or the UFC in the WEC. PFL is going to purchase Bellator, and the deal is done, according to Zelino. What will happen is that Bellator will be run as its own promotion for a couple of years. The PFL will essentially give it some life support. And then eventually, after about two or three years, Bellator will finally uh, fold. Yeah. First off, shout out to Al Zelino for this, doing absolutely fine reporting on this story over the last couple of months. Um, it's good to know that there's a little bit of closure. It's good to know that we're going to be down to three major MMA promotions here uh, relatively soon, or I guess you could say, um, yeah, yeah, three, the three major MMA promotions here relatively soon. It's, it's good to know that. Um, it's just going to be very interesting to see if, if Bellator is only going to run for a couple of years, as he's alluding to. Uh, there's going to be a bunch of the roster that's going to not have a homes. Well, it's going to be interesting to see who the UFC decides to absorb and who the they decide not to absorb and how the UFC kind of uh, all plays into this. The only thing Dana White has really said publicly about it is we'll see what happens. Well, it looks like things are happening because it looks like things are getting much, much closer to the PFL, you know, or just being its own promotion in the next couple of years. Um, I mean, I will, I will say this, these next, uh, these next few events, the, the, there may be a, there may be a happy, um, connotation to it, there may be some somber connotation to it. This is regarding Bellator, of course, but at least we know that there is a little bit of closure, and at least we know that 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 the future of Bellator um, is is known. You know, for for a while we really didn't know what was going to happen with the promotion. At least we now know that there's a bit of clarity between both partners and what they are striving to do. And honestly, I really do hope this partnership um, or works out for a couple of years and that we get some of these fights that we even waiting to see these crossover fights that weren't possible before, but are now entirely possible because of this. So I think, uh, I think there's a lot to be excited about if you're a fan of multiple uh, MMA promotions. Here's a question that I have because uh, during the PFL Europe uh, semifinals card uh, in Paris this past weekend, they were doing all the promotion about, you know, how they're going to have, how they have PFL Europe now. They have the global PFL that we always watch. There's PFL. They're trying to start up PFL Africa. They're trying to start up PFL uh, Saudi Arabia. Could you see with all the expansion, because you mentioned the fighters not having a home, and that seems to be the thing, but with all the expansion and all the money that seems to be invested uh, from the multiple investors from Saudi Arabia, could you see where the PFL says, you know what, instead of six uh, divisions, now that we have Bellator and we folded, we have, uh, folded Bellator, why don't we do eight divisions when we throw in middleweight and we throw in a lighter weight class or we do another women's division? Could you see something like that happening? I could see it, but I could also see the other side where all these other country titles, PFL Saudi Arabia, um, PFL, et cetera, et cetera. I could see all of those being kind of mini contender series um, for instance, in a way too. So I think it could be one of those two options. And I, I, and I, they did mention about the idea that some of these PFL Europe champions who win the hundred thousand dollars at the end of the season in Dublin in December could go on to the, uh, to the global stage next year into, in the 2024 season. 
yeah, you know, it feels very much like a soccer slash MLB based format. So it's nice to see that the PFL is trying to stick to it. So, um, I mean, yeah. it's, I, I know not a lot of people like it, but it's their thing. And it's, it's what makes them unique. And sometimes you need these unique elements to, to stand out. Yeah, well, unfortunately for PFL, the one thing that was not unique was the inaccessibility of the United States viewers over the weekend who were unable to watch one of one of the most insane uh, fastest knockouts of 2023. We briefly talk about it. Cedric Dumway uh, um, went in Paris over the weekend with a nine-second knockout in the main event in a fight that he made. It relatively easy. It's just the only issue is that there was no legitimate way in the United States for people to see it. But because the fight is so short, and if you have not seen it, you can just go on X through several different versions of it. Um, Tom, PFL I, uploaded it. Sports Center uploaded it. I think the ESPN MMA account or normal ESPN account uploaded the whole fight, all nine seconds. I know you were busy. Uh, you were busy working this event. I presume. What was your and? Initial reaction besides uh, what we were exchanging back and forth uh, when he when he won. So I was trying to figure out, uh, like I was watching the initial movements. So I saw the initial, uh, so I saw the initial go in for the um, overhand, and I was like getting ready to write. Like here, here is how I was looking. Like I had the computer with um, the stream uh, that I was watching was right here. And the computer I was writing up the stuff for the PFL website was right here. And so I have my like eyes here. I have my, my fingers here. I see like the initial, how, um, how, uh, Doombay's opponent was going in for the major hook and I'm, like getting ready to write. And then all of a sudden, whoop, whoop. And then I see him fall to the mat unconscious. I'm like, what the hell just happened? Like, I, it was like, it was like if I, I was doing one of those like silent streams because I'm like I don't want to disturb anybody else because it's mid afternoon here and everybody's home. But I'm like ah ah like oh my god I cannot believe this happened. So I mean credit the world Cedric Duvet just I, I you know he's the man he is the man they signed him for a reason. And everyone was clamoring for him to go to the UFC for a reason. And, I mean, Zed, it was just an amazing debut. You know, say what you will about PFL Paris. Say what you will about pacing. They made that debut so worth it. The crowd chanting along to the music as he was coming out. Uh, the mattress he came out with that said Bon Nuit. Yep. You know, it's a good night and had his opponent's name on it. I mean, I, I think of a, I think, you know, who did it better, that or Jared Cannon? I mean, uh, Israel Adesanya coming out with Jared Cannonier's, uh name on an urn. It was absolutely incredible. And then the freaking nine-second finish, which I think it was more like eight or seven seconds before the referee actually came in and waved off the fight. It was just, you know, chef's kiss. That is probably one of the best, if not the best debut in MMA this year. Oh, I think so. Oh, two and definitely shades of Todd Duffy versus uh, versus Tim Hang all the way back in August of 2009. Because if you watch the way that Doomway's opponent fell to the way that Tim Hang fell, it's very, very reminiscent and almost mind blowing how similar both knockouts were. If you watch both of 
them side by side. There's a lot of insane similarities when you watch it over and over and over again. So that was my first thought. Was I'm like, oh my goodness, this is like a this is like a reenactment of Todd Duffy versus Tim Ng, except it's over a decade later. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I know Doombay competed in four MMA fights before, but this is his first time on a big stage with a big promotion like the PFL, and man, did he deliver, and I hope we get to see Cedric Doombay, you know, not exclusive to the PFL Europe stage. Hopefully we get to see him in the global PFL cage at some yeah, point. Hopefully I can some or some way find my, a way to watch him in person, because I would love to be in any of his fights, no matter what state or city he's in, I'd like to at least see him once and say, "Yeah, I saw uh, the I saw the man, and that was the the PFL's biggest uh, brand superstar outside of um, Francis Ngannou." So that's just very cool to see. It was good for him, for sure. All right, one other news story that we got to get to before we do all the previewing. Uh, Sand Conor McGregor went on a podcast, and he says. He's confirmed he's still focused on Chandler as his return opponent. And yet, this man thinks that despite what was announced for UFC 296, he still thinks that it's going to happen. He still thinks that he versus Chandler can happen in December at UFC 296. And all I got to say at this point is, can I tell you my thoughts about this with Connor? I've, I've thought about it from last week when I was doing the solo video. Oh, I've really thought about it. And I think Connor. <laughs> Seriously, they just gave the main event spot for 296 to Leon and Colby. And you think that this fight is still going to happen in December? Uh, before, but you know, as part of this, Zan, uh, let's, let me. Let me give you the floor. So I talked about this last week, particularly the no Connor versus Chandler, it being official not for 2023. Can I get your thoughts on this? Well, first off, is my uh, is my unofficial matchmaking genius or what? <laughs> because uh, I, I I called it I called at least two of these announced fights, and uh, I have to give myself a little pat on the back. But you want to talk about an end of the year? That's just like one after another after another where there's no event that you can't get excited about. I think the UFC over-delivered here. We have UFC 294 in Abu Dhabi with Oliveira and Makachev. You have UFC 295 with Jones and Stipe. And, and of course, you have the you have the Alex Pereira um, title fight, too, against um, against um, Yuri which that will be that will be that will be unbelievable. And then you obviously have Leon Edwards and Colby Covington, and then of course you have uh, a Valen Pantoja. You, you you couldn't ask for a better end of the year. You really you re- you really couldn't. Um, so I, so then what I, of Connor and Chandler? Uh, well, I mean, I think as much as Connor would like to be hopeful that his fight with Chandler is going to happen this year, um, unless no one's told him. He, he should know that his precious main event spot um, has already been taken. So unless the UFC is willing to pull a on-field adjustment and two two pay-per-view events in December, something to my knowledge they've never done in the history of the promotion, then he'll be waiting until 2024. So they did do two events in 2016 and 2017 because they had the New Year's Eve Eve cards, but... They've That's stopped right. doing the New Year's Eve Eve cards. Actually, they did it in 18 as well. 
but they haven't done those over the last few years. So I, I don't know what Connor's thinking. Plus, when they did it 16, 17, 18, it was one around the start of the month, particularly around the uh, time of the Heisman Trophy being awarded. And then one was close to right around the end of the year. So in the case of 2023, Zan, if they somehow pulled that miracle, they would be doing one right the week before Christmas. And then they would probably do one at the end of the year, which would be absolutely insane. Yeah, and from an ESPN perspective, I don't know how that's possible considering all of the content that they have for the month in other sports. Yeah, so I don't think it's possible. And, Zan, it's like what I said kind of last week. I don't think Connor has anyone to blame but himself on this one. He and Chandler not coming to terms. Yasada, I don't know what's going on with Yasada. But at this point, Zan, it's like what Chandler, Gaethje, and Poye are all saying. Uh, go piss in the cup. Yeah, and literally. And, I, you know, oh, I think him not doing that just holds up his return plus a bunch of divisions even longer that – you know, that they, they, they need to keep going that are currently stagnant because they don't know when he's coming back. Yeah. So, and it's like I said last week, Zan, actually something that you kind of, we kind of made mention a couple weeks ago. I think at this point, the only way, and I think this is the last chance kind of way that this fight happens and saves some face is if it's booked as the main event for UFC 300 in April or late March, whenever. My, my well, my theory is with um with the UFC not doing anything Super Bowl weekend in in Vegas as I was told by an anonymous source. My my theory is it's probably either going to be UFC two ninety nine or UFC three hundred that Connor and Jam will end up competing. But then again, does the UFC really want to wait that long? I still think that in some ways there are the, the, the there are negotiations, and even though the UFC keeps pushing it. An extra, I think there are things that are going on behind the scenes at UFC headquarters that nobody knows about where they're trying to save the fight, they just simply can't do it. And it's unfortunate because, like I said, tough is basically a waste at this point because they spent all this time hyping up McGregor's return and they've got nothing for it. No, absolutely. I think so. If you were to guess, when do you think Conor McGregor is going to come back? Do you? think it's against Michael Chandler, or do you think it's against somebody else? He's been saying that it has to be Chandler, so I'm going to hold him to his word that it has to be Chandler. And I'll just be very brutal with this. At this point, it has to be either Super Bowl weekend, which I don't know if that's going to be possible, or it's going to be UFC 300. Now, I did make mention uh, during my solo videos, Zan, of something that I didn't pay attention to when we were doing your schedule outlook on episode 54. The one, because I remember you put UFC 300 as like the first Saturday in April. The one issue I could see with that is now that UFC and WWE are under one umbrella, that first Saturday in April is the first night of WrestleMania. I don't think they're going to have the UFC and WWE put their big premiere events on the same night. So could you see being the week after? I could see it being the week before to be a late March card to do two March pay-per-views like they did this year or doing it the week after, April 13th or whatever it would be. Okay. But you are um, – you're going out on a prediction that you think Connor will fight in 24 and it's not going to be by the end of 23. I'll be blunt. 
if Conor McGregor does not return either Super Bowl weekend or UFC 300, he should not come back to the sport at all. Really? And what makes you say that? Because I'm tired of the waiting. That's I'm tired of it. I'm, I'm tired of his waiting, especially considering that he hasn't had a meaningful win since 2016. Don't give me the Cowboy Cerrone crap. And (laughs) and he has just had bad performance after bad performance. Because, again, what if he loses this fight to Chandler? He's talking about it being the biggest comeback in MMA history, how he wants to fight Chandler, then fight Gagey for the BMF, then have the trilogy with Nate. What if he loses this fight, especially after all this time away? It it damages his credibility. So then what do you think of Tony Ferguson coming out and saying that he's going to beat Patty Pimblett and then he's going to talk about Conor McGregor afterwards? Well, the UFC, in my opinion, about with Tony Ferguson taking on Patty Pimblett, uh, the UFC should be under investigation for poor treatment of its, uh, of its fighters because why the hell are they letting Tony Ferguson compete again, especially against a killer like Patty? Mm-hmm. They, they shouldn't. The, the, at this current point in time, the fight is a mismatch. Five years ago, it's a mismatch the other way around. This, this fight should not be taking place. And if you went back and listened to James Lynch's video, he made it very clear and said, oh, if Patty Pimblett wins, the UFC is going to pull this narrative. And they're going to say, this win was outstanding against a former interim UFC lightweight champion. That's what Zen. they're going to try to come in. Zen, no offense to your employer, but he's entering BJ Penn territory for losses. Oh, oh, I'm aware. I'm aware. If he loses Ferguson to Patty, he ties Penn's record for most consecutive losses. This is not good. This is this is bad. And they're throwing him in here. And that's my problem with 296, Sam. It's like it's like what I said about why I favor 290 over 291 is that 291 had all the finishes, but the idea that they're continuing to let Tony Ferguson fight is like taking a bit out of me. Like this is stupid on the UFC and Tony Ferguson's part. This is reckless on the UFC and Tony Ferguson's part. And if nobody is going to stop this, Tony Ferguson is going to continue to go down a bad path. Well, no, and this is reckless on the part of NSAC also. Yeah, and, yeah. and the State Athletic Commission, you're right. How? Yeah. how but, of course, they're not going to do anything because State Athletic Commissions are freaking useless. Of course. Of course. Well, um, yeah, so my opinion that 295 and 296, what more can I say? I can't wait for them. Uh, the, the, these fights are massive. At least the Yuri Pereira fight will give some clarity to the light heavyweight division. And because I never got a chance to ask you last week, does the winner of that fight fight Magomed, or does the winner of that fight rightfully so fight Jamal Hill? Hopefully, in, hopefully in Chicago. What do you what like? Do you I think? said I would like. I said I would love for Magomed for uh, Magomed and Kalaya to be in the title picture, but obviously the UFC wants no part of him in the title picture. It's going to be whoever wins this fight is defending against Jamal Hill. Okay. But yeah, overall, I'm very excited for the end of the year. I'm excited for the pay-per-views that the UFC has coming up. And uh, I think anyone who's an MMA fan, either hardcore or casual, as I said, casual, and I know casual is sometimes taken with the negative context, but if you are hardcore or casual, there is no way you're you're not excited about the end of the year from a pay-per-view perspective for the UFC. 
No, 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 no question about it. Absolutely. Assuming, of course, knock on wood, that every single um, major fight uh, stays intact with no injuries, no suspensions. And we, don't, we, don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't need any of that. Just knock on wood about 10 to 15 times. Make sure that it doesn't, that none of that happens and everything stays intact. Please fight gods. Show some mercy, unlike the football gods. That's that's true. For both of our for both of our teams, I might add. <laughs> yeah, and some fantasy players. I might add. Uh since we since we talked about Cedric Dumbay's fight before, before we get into the previews, let, let's talk about Canelo. I mean, bad. Bad, bad, bad on so many ends. And I really, you know, I am not one, Zan, that I should say something like this. But because there's a whole bunch of boxing experts who are saying it, it really felt like Jermel Charlo was there for a paycheck. Now, granted. He was fighting two weight classes above the weight class where he holds a lot of gold. Granted, he was not the first Charlo to be offered this fight. This was supposed to be Jamal Charlo. And how Jamal Charlo is still the WBC middleweight champion, I have no idea. Nobody nobody knows. <laughs> um, and then Jamal Charlo just, I'm sorry. Piss poor fight. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know Canelo. I know Canelo is a legend. Canelo definitely is one of the best in this sport, you know, currently and of all time, but piss poor fight is really all I can say. Well, even though the fight was bad, from an initial perspective, Canelo was masterful as he always is. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is more, this fight, I'm, I'm with most people, this fight is more of a criticism against Jermel Charlo than it is uh, anything against Canelo Alvarez. Okay, so we're both on the same page there. How did you how did you score the fight? I saw some people have attended too. I had it a perfect 12-0 sweep. How did you how did you score it? I could see maybe one round like towards the middle where Canelo took a break that I could give it to Charlo, but that's the thing. It's an 11-0 maximum for Charlo. Other than that, I could agree with you that it was a clean sweep. And um, I, I, I'm just curious. I mean, obviously Vegas is known for having major September pay-per-views. They obviously could not get their Cinco de Mayo date. Is this more of a win for Canelo and a loss for Showtime, or the other way around? What do you, what do you think? I think for Canelo, loss for Showtime. I think Xander's a bigger loser here. The zone. Yeah, so I can kind of talk about that. So I. Uh, so uh, for those who don't know, and for those who weren't following my Twitter feed, I watched the Canelo Charlo fight via the DZ- uh, via the DAZN uh, broadcast. And for those who weren't plugged into uh, watching fights in other territories, it was revealed two days before the fight that Alvarez versus uh, Charlo would be taking place on DAZN in the United Kingdom and Ireland. And because I was tech savvy enough, I was able to figure out how I could watch that exact feed in the United States from the comfort of my own home. I won't say how I did it, but I was able to see the DAZN feed in person. And unfortunately, like most of the regular audience in the United Kingdom and in Ireland, I missed round three. I I saw 11 of the 12 rounds of the Canelo decision win. And from a DAZN perspective, again, for what it feels like the fourth or fifth in a row that we're talking about this, DAZN and its 
broadcast slash streaming capabilities take a major hit during the main event of All Swords, during an event where there were no issues with the stream whatsoever in well, the main event, because of course there was, and I might add, in the UK, the fight was free with a regular zone subscription. Unbelievable. <laughs> and here in the US, they tried to charge $85 for this. Yep. This is, that's why I'm saying, like, I'm curious what the numbers are going to be, because from a fight perspective and, you know, in the moment kind of perspective with, uh, you know, today's uh, media age where everything is right here, right now, this card, uh, Alvarez versus Charlo, was a failure. Yeah, and I'll admit some of the undercard fights were good. There were a lot of nice prospects, but... the Really the- controversial co-main event. Very, very and to be quite honest with you, that is the worst non-title fight scorecard in a boxing match that I have ever seen. What about what about you? Good old Insac. Literally. <laughs> Literally. Oh, I hate this. I hate this. Zen. Uh once again. Like I I, I, I was so hyped on boxing at the start of this show, and I have to bring it out. Well, this is why we are primarily an MMA podcast, because of this exact reason right here. (laughs) Because if we were primarily a boxing podcast, we would talk about how someone corrupt the entire sport is every week and never get off the soapbox. So there there you go. I should get get for the sound effects. I should get Teddy uh, Teddy Adler saying the corruption in boxing uh, soundbite from when he was on ESPN. It's corrupt. It's broken. I've had it. He's <laughs> screwed. I just takes the head uh, off. My goodness. And I, and I think actually, actually, I think some people find that way, uh, feel that way about the NFL right now, thanks to all the Swifties and the Chiefs. It's true. And for, and for those of you who did not see the Sunday Night Football game, look, look, look it up because the ending was absolutely unbelievable. Unbelievable for the right reasons if you're a Chiefs fan, absolutely for the wrong reasons and wanting to break your television as a Jets fan sorry to delve off into the NFL. But in case in case you haven't uh, been living under a rock, uh, Taylor Swift is the biggest thing in the world right now. So, yeah. Hey, that Sunday night football game was more entertaining this than this fight by a long stretch. 100%. And even a, and even a casual sports observer who doesn't follow combat sports could say that with 100 percent certainty. So there, there you go. But yeah, to zone an absolutely big loser, I kind of want to say, and I said I was going to cut back. Part of me wants to take that twenty dollars of zone subscription a month and just kick it, and I mean kick it into the sun, far into the sun, where I will just it will burn up there and it will land there, and I will never have to see it ever again. Because Jesus Christ! Yeah, yeah. In my opinion, after all of DAZN's struggles, I think DAZN should just be an international platform at this point to be be done. Seriously, I mean, and it sucks because they had so much going for them. And then, I mean, first of all, part of this was COVID. Part of this is the you know COVID. When twenty twenty, they were supposed to have a big year, and everything got shaken up because the world shut down. But they just right. didn't recover from it. Right. And weren't they supposed to be the ones to eliminate pay-per-view altogether? 
Meaning you, meaning you got one subscription and you got every single fight. <laughs> right, the w, the WWE Network kind of style. But no, now that you see UFC ESPN Plus style as one, where you get a subscription and then you gotta pay again. <laughs> and you wonder why people are pissed off. And you wonder why people like me are starting to cut back because... Jesus Christ. And you also wonder why people are starting to use VPNs, or since they starting, but this, you're wondering why the VPN usage is about to get rampant. <laughs> no Am I wrong? And you also are wondering why people are starting to flock to AMZs instead of, instead of their own television sets to watch these fights because, quite frankly, it's cheaper to go to the bar or the movie theater to watch these in your own house. <laughs> The movie theater business might get saved because of how bad uh, streaming and pay-per-view is. Seriously? <laughs> the movie theater is, is taking a hit from streaming, but no. The idea of streaming and the idea of the pay-per-view and their crazy prices might actually give theaters some new life. Jesus. Well, well said. All right. Speaking of showtime... <laughs> Well, let's, let's go to something good. Let's go to Bellator 300. Three title fights. Unfortunately, Ryan Bader versus Linton Vassell for the heavyweight title is not going to happen. Linton Vassell falls sick and is forced out of the fight, but we still have three title fights to discuss. Yeah, I mean, starting out with this first one, um, you know, jiu-jitsu specialist versus wrestler, uh, um, and obviously, someone with a lot of power. I mean, I think this is Usman Nurmagomedov's toughest test. And I think the longer the fight stays standing, the longer in favor of the stream is. But uh, I like Usman Nurmagomedov in a fourth-round submission. I think Freemus makes it a long fight. I think he makes it a grueling fight. I think he puts Nurmagomedov in positions that he's never been in before. But I think it's going to be one mistake, either on the ground or standing up, that's going to turn the fight in Nurmagomedov's favor. And I... Uh, I actually think he gets Primus out of there with the fourth round rear naked choke. And I think it's just a high level action packed fight um, where both guys are going to give it everything they have. And unfortunately, I like both guys. Someone has to lose. But I just simply think after watching Guzman Nurmagomedov in person, um, this is, in my opinion, the best lightweight outside of the UFC by far. And uh, I think this is his Grand Prix to lose. Tom, what do you what do you think? Yeah, this is going to be a grappling excerpt bout. You got, as you said, wrestler versus jiu-jitsu. Uh, this is definitely going to be fought a lot on the ground and in the clinch and against the cage. But in my opinion, Nurmagomedov is far and away the better grappler than Primus. Uh, I think Primus, like you said, is going to try and make it a fight. I just think Nurmagomedov is too good, and he is just at another level. And, Sam, you know what they talk about with Dagestani wrestling versus uh, American wrestling. How Dagestani wrestling is just a completely different field. Oh, yeah. So, that's why I'm going to side with you on a submission. Nurmagomedov will get Primus out of there, will retain and advance to the final. I could see him being in the fourth round. I could even see it being in the third round. I could see it happening a little sooner. Okay, do you see Primus uh, hurting Nurmagomedov? Potentially attempting to knock him out, or do you think Nurmagomedov will, will will not get staggered at all in this fight? I could see it happening maybe early, but even if it does happen, I think Nurmagomedov is going to recover, and like I said, he'll get Primus out of there one way or another. 
Okay, so you have Usman Nurmagomedov moving on to the finals of the Grand Prix, assuming the finals of the Grand Prix continue as we hope they will. Yeah, well, you're going to see the other semifinal in Chicago. That's which the plan. I'm very, which, I'm, which I'm very excited about. By the way, who do, uh, you, who, do, who do you have in an early prediction in the other semifinal on the opposite side, in your opinion? Who's going who's gonna to win that? Who's going to win the Bellator 301 one? Yeah. What do you what do you think? So that one is going to be uh who is it? Oh Patricky Pitbull, Alexander Shab 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 can't pronounce his name, Shabli. Yeah. Uh I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Patricky Pitbull just because I feel like Patricky Pitbull, he's the veteran, he's got a lot going on for him. But regardless, and I truthfully of the remaining four, I don't see anybody being Nurmagomedov. I think so too. So this is what's going to happen. This fight is going to happen this weekend. Bellator three one, of course, happens in November, and and I think they wait all the way until June, hopefully in Chicago again for the finals of the lightweight uh, Grand Prix. That's my that's my prediction. So hopefully I can see the 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 end of this tournament in person. That's obviously me being a little bit biased, but I hope that's how Bellator it out. So yeah. Okay. Let's move on now to the co-main event of this card. Two women, both women's titles are on the line. It begins with the women's featherweight title, the return of Chris Cyborg. It has felt like forever since we've last seen her in the octagon. I mean, in the in the cage. And Zan, remember what she said after one of her most recent fights? She did say about potential opponents. Obviously, Kayla Harrison was, you know, Kayla Harrison is a potential target. And now with the Bellator PFL merger talks, you know, that idea isn't dead completely yet, but you can't be, I think she said, quoted something along the lines of, you can't be scared of the cat. And now Zan, the cat is out of the bag because Chris Cyborg will fight Kat Singano for the women's featherweight championship. And uh, yeah, I think Chris Cyborg, I think this fight is really interesting. I think some of the older school women's MMA fans are going to get a kick out of this fight. I think this will be fun, but I think Chris Cyborg is just, you know, she's one of the best. She is in top tier of women's MMA fighters for a reason. And I think Cyborg gets it done first or second round TKO. Yeah, I mean, it's it's great to see Kat Singano in this position, considering what a pioneer to women's MMA that she is. But Chris Cyborg at this moment in time is just on another level. And now with Amanda Nunes out of the picture, it's clear who the best uh female fighter in the world is in my personal opinion. And uh yeah, I think Chris Cyborg gets it done. I'm gonna say round two TKO. I think Kat Singano makes it interesting. She may even attempt to take her down. She may even get her down, but I just think Cyborg's hand speed's gonna be too quick for her. And I think she wins in very impressive and very vicious fashion. So yeah, perfect. You and I agree the same. Uh the remaining title fight, women's flyweight title. You got champ versus champ. You got Zan friends and te- and former teammates battling. Liz Carmouche taking on the former champion, Elima Lay McFarlane. Um, truth be told, you know, I'm happy for Elima Lay. I'm happy she's getting this fight. I think this is going to be really interesting considering both women know one another. But up until her most recent fights, and I hadn't really been impressed with Alima Lay. She definitely had taken a step back after losing her championship uh, the first time. And well, I shouldn't say the first time, losing her championship. 
uh, and now she's getting the opportunity to get it back. But Liz Carmouche has just, you know, she's on a roll. And I think there's a, you know, momentum is a real thing in this sport. And I see... I see Alima Lay making it a little competitive, but I'm going to go with Carmouche by a decision to retain the title. Yeah, Carmouche by decision seems to be the safe bet here. Um, unless Alima Lay McFarland worked on her wrestling and worked on her jiu-jitsu in camp, which I'm sure she did to stifle Liz's attacks, I think it's going to be um, a fight that I think a lot of experts are predicting to go a certain way, and that certain way is exactly what you said. I just think Liz controls every second of the fight. And maybe Lee Malay gets a little bit of life in round three and round four with his gases. And maybe uh, Lee Malay hurts her with a right hand or something. But outside of that, um, I think Liz wins. I think she does it impressively. And I think she puts a stamp on her dominance as the best Bellator flyweight in the world. And uh, at this point, it seems to me like no one can beat her. At least no one can beat her outside of the UFC, which is good to see, considering that earlier in her career, you know, she was known for, you know, being the one to knock it past Ronda Rousey to become the inaugural um, uh, women's bantamweight champion. So it's nice to see that she's doing better in a different weight division. So we'll see how this goes. But uh, yeah, I'm with you. I think Carmouche wins by decision. And I think she guesses Alima lay out and, and either eventually finish it's her just kind of out wrestles for wins the fight that way. So perfect. And then what are our fight to talk about UFC Vegas 80 this weekend I mean, Sam, you and I looked at the card. I mean, it has some solid names on it, but it feels like it needs a little something, something needs a little spice because no offense to these two guys, but Grant Dawson versus Bobby Green just doesn't sound like a main event. It sounds like, you know, kind of what it is, an apex main event. Yeah, I'm going to see Bobby Green by controversy who's split to see. As you can hear, I think there's going to be a lot of interesting uh Back and forth, I think Bobby Green is going to land a few more significant strikes, but um, Grant Dawson is going to out-wrestle Bobby Green, and for some reason I think the judges are going to think that effective striking is better than effective grappling, and I think we're going to have some uh, some robbery madness at the apex shades of Kai Carr France uh, a couple a couple months ago. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that grappling got disrespected from the uh, from the judges. Uh, that being said, you know, Grant Dawson, UFC veteran who is actually undefeated in the UFC since uh, he came into the promotion after winning on se- season one of Dana White's Contender Series. His only loss is in a Kansas City promotion back in, was it 16? Yeah, 2016. Yeah. Uh, some of the names that he's fought, Julian Arosa, uh, Ricky Glenn, that was actually a draw. That's the sole blemish, the non-win of his uh, UFC run. That's Jared fight, Gordon. That's a fight that I thought and Dawson won, and I'm pretty sure you agreed too. Is that correct? Yes. And then his most recent three, Jared Gordon, Mark Madsen, Demir Ismagulov. But Bobby Green is going to be probably the most experienced fight veteran that Dawson has ever, has ever faced. Yeah, but and- with- argue though that Bobby Green isn't really a step up in competition given the guys that you just listed because to me it doesn't seem like it no it doesn't and that's why I think Zan I'm going to lean in a different direction I definitely could see something controversial happen because Nevada going to Nevada judging going to judging but I'm going to try and be optimistic I'm going to try 
and be, you know, we started with positivity on the show. We should try to end on positivity. So okay. I'm going to say Grant Dawson, unanimous decision, gets it done. Okay. Yeah, no doubt. It'll be a very interesting and high-octane fight in a fight that uh, that could go a lot of different ways. There's no, there's no question about it. And then there's also somebody else who's competing on this card this weekend. Big co-main event spot for him uh, as he takes on... I believe he's taking on Abdul, uh, yeah, Abdul Razak Al Hassan. It's the one and only Joe Pfeiffer. Yeah, it's the one and only Joe Pfeiffer, the guy that we end every single show with. So of course, I think we're going to be in a disagreement. I think Joe Pfeiffer wins an absolute slugfest against Al Hassan, and I actually think Joe Pfeiffer gets it done with a late third round TKO. What do you What do you think? Yeah, I could definitely see. I. I might even see second round TKO. Okay. Okay. I, I, I think Joe Pfeiffer's, he's got what it takes. You know, as Dana always said, be Joe Pfeiffer. Be Joe Pfeiffer. And if you want to watch the people's main event, that is certainly your people's main event uh, this weekend in the world of the UFC. That, that That's going uh, to do it for all the previews, though. And that's going to do it for us for episode 55 of the MMA Outsiders. Thank you again to everyone who tuned in. Before both Tom and I get out of here, be sure to like and subscribe. Be sure to follow the Empty the Bench Podcast Network across social media at ETB Network. And, of course, be sure to follow the show um, accounts at MMA Outsiders ETB. Again, my name is Zan Bando. I am a staff writer for BJPen.com and a member of the Bellator Rankings panel. You can find my work on Twitter over at ZanBando99. And then, of course, to my left, Tom Albano a contributor over at Fanside and MMA and of course doing excellent work for the PFL website as the season is coming to an end, both in the United States and elsewhere. And of course um, you can follow him on Twitter at Thomas J. Albano. That's going to do it for us. Thank you again for tuning in. We had a lot of news and notes. We also had a bunch of previews this week. We're going to be excited to recap them next week in episode 56. Tom, I'm going to let you have the floor for the last few minutes. And it's any any other exciting things you'd like to tell our loyal listeners before we get out of here. Uh, just thank you for tuning in to another edition of the MMA Outsiders. I got to say it was good to be back. We had that one week off. But, Zan, as you know, we are about to enter a time period where it is going to get crazy between all the big fights we have this weekend. Next weekend, we have a UFC card and a... Um, a boxing match that I thought was probably going to get canceled with all the litigation and just a fight that I really don't necessarily care about next weekend. Uh, but the weekend after that, we have the UFC in uh, Abu Dhabi, which means an earlier start time, which means the card can actually end. I can actually uh, have a Saturday night free. And then we've got uh, later on this one, Francis Ngannou and Tyson Fury in Saudi Arabia, which means I could have another Saturday night free. Yeah, and then which means unfortunately for you, November is going to be insanely busy for you and insanely busy for both of us because I will have in person coverage in the middle of the month for Bellator 301. So, absolutely. Um, oh, even though oh, there's a lot happening in October, there's a lot of breathing room in October, which I guess is good for us because November is just going to be way too nuts. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, cheap plug, by the way. Uh, Non-MMA non cheap plug. Uh, Nick Morgison, Johnny Montalbano, and I will be live streaming this Sunday morning. Uh, the second NFL London game of the year. We'll be live streaming. We'll be doing a little, uh, 
what do you call it, watch along of the Bills versus Jaguars game that takes place in London, 9.30 a.m. Eastern time, 6.30 a.m. Pacific time. So tune in on uh, on Sunday for those of you who are football fans. And, uh, yeah, pip cheerio, as they say over in England. Yeah, tune in on Sunday for the watch-along. And for those who are looking for the game, you can find it exclusively on the NFL Network. Again, it will not be on ESPN+. Plus. It is exclusive to NFL Network. So for those of you who are no, no Toy Story feed this time around. And no, no toys for you feed this time around. For those of you who are fans of the Jaguars or Bills, be sure to get up early. Otherwise, you will miss the game entirely. So there, there you go. For sure. All right. I'm getting out of here. We're getting out of here. For Zant, I'm Tom. We'll see you next time on the MMA Outsiders. Take care, everyone. Take care, everyone. And before we get out of here and tell you to enjoy the fights, we want to remind you one last time to be Joe Pfeiffer. Be Joe Pfeiffer and watch Joe Pfeiffer fight this weekend. 100%. And those were your only two homework assignments. So we expect you that both of them get completed <laughs> by the time we're back in the year next week. We'll see you. We'll see you guys then. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.